Well, I'm uh, I'm super pumped for you on that one. I think that's going to be incredible. Uh, I've seen Meg One, Meg Two is coming out, as you said. Uh, that'll be uh, that'll be tomorrow. But that is that is kind of the the reason why we're doing this on a Monday. Uh, to all my people over here on Instagram, we normally do this on Tuesdays, uh, our live Q and A. Um, but you guys, uh, if you're if you're new with us, let us know. Uh, let us know where you're from. We like to have a uh, get a little gist for where everyone is. Um, and we're going to get to the questions here shortly. The performance weekly has not gone out yet. That's going to go out tomorrow. Uh, we have a, a couple of really cool shows. I'm going to do this doc for everybody real quick. Uh, I want to make sure they know, cause this was, this is, I, I cannot wait for people to listen to this episode, uh, right here. It's with our good friend, pharmacist Colton Markham. And, uh, it's basically a, uh, a success story for LDN. Uh, as you guys know, we're huge fans of low-dose naltrexone. Uh, in this episode of the Common Sense MD, Colton uh, basically details for us you know, how he has had success with it. Um, he's Because he's a pharmacist, he kind of talks about it a little bit differently, so it's super, super cool. Uh, that'll go up on the YouTube channel at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Uh, Zach is getting that ready for us right now. And then on Explain This, this one is like this ex, uh, episode of Explain This with Robin Riddle uh, really explains how we look at thyroid. Uh, again, this is not up yet. It'll be up uh, 8 a.m. on Tuesday. Uh, so uh, if, you, if you have not subscribed or click, click the notification uh, button, that'll it'll notify you when it's up and when we're live. Uh, Instagram, we're live on YouTube right there. There we go. What's up, Michael? Uh, hey, Kyle, what's up, man? <laughs> Kyle, join us for the live show on YouTube. Come on. Uh, uh, trying to, we're, we're over here live on Instagram as well. Um, so, uh, so, so, uh, all those video, videos will go up at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Um, and then of course next week we'll be back on schedule on the Mondays, uh, sorry, the Tuesday schedule. Uh, doc, what do you think about getting into the questions? I think it's great. Yeah. Let's right, do it. Let's rock on. All right, here we go. This one is a Dr. Andrew Huberman question. Uh, Huberman talked about topical caffeine being effective for hair thinning. How slash where would you get topical caffeine? It goes on to say, how would you know what dosage? As I know that it needs to be the correct amount and not too much. Um, what's your thoughts on this, Doc? Well, first of all, whatever you do, do not pour hot coffee on your scalp. That would just lead to third degree burns. So do not get the caffeine that way. Um, that was a joke, Ben. See, Ben never laughs at my jokes. You know, Ben and Katie do not think I'm funny at all. But uh, <laughs> um, I've never used it. I know Huberman uses it some. Um, I've never used it on a scalp, but you're going to have to get it from a compounding pharmacy. That's for sure. I'm not sure the dose they use, but um, it'll be interesting to see if that works. Um, you know, I'm certainly, Huberman's a, a really smart guy out of Stanford, but um, he gets into a lot of cool stuff like sleep, and now he's getting into hair growth. He does a good uh, podcast on CBD. Um, he's not a big fan of um, melatonin for sleep, but he's an interesting guy. Uh, so I don't know. I haven't used it. You're going to have to get it from a compounding pharmacy and maybe I'll, you know, I'm in, I'm into hair, you know, restoration and, uh, and also I'll, 
I'll check that out and any I'll give you an update if I found find out that it works. Um, but really interesting. Caffeine's used for a lot of different things. Uh, maybe surprised. I'm it's a stimulant, so I get hopefully it stimulates your hair follicles. Makes sense. That's super um, cool. I've actually never heard about that. So uh, I'm going to do a little digging on that as well. Such a great question. I'm going to put this up here for uh, Donna. I believe I just talked to you on, on Facebook. It's so, I'm so pumped to see you here for the live show. Uh, I think Donna has a great question around uh, ACG. So put that in the comments, uh, Donna, so we can get to that in the live show. We'll hear uh, Doc's thoughts on that because we love, uh, we're huge fans of ACG, been doing it for a long time and uh you know, you got to be smart about where you're getting it from. So uh, thank you, Donna, for hanging out. Um, all right, let's keep going here. Uh, oh, this was a little bit of a uh, some context here. Uh, this is in regards to the topical caffeine. I found one product at fullyvital.com that does have caffeine, but I have no idea how much. Uh, super interesting. If anybody in the comments or with us live knows about fullyvital.com, let us know. Um, that's super cool. Uh, all right, let's get to a uh, curcumin question. It seems that some some things I read online, yes, I know not to believe everything on there, uh, say that curcumin may increase testosterone. So does that mean it could increase DHT as well? We talked a lot about DHT last week. Um, how would you answer this question uh, here? Yeah, it... Uh... You know, it's interesting that we talked about that last week. It could anything that raises testosterone can increase DHT, dihydrotestosterone. And dihydrotestosterone, of course, is the most potent form of testosterone. You certainly need it for libido, but it can also cause a couple of problems like hair loss and prostate enlargement if it gets too too high in certain people. So you're kind of and curcumin can uh, affect it a little bit. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, so, um, that's something that say like you start taking curcumin and, um, you know, it does affect it. I've even heard that it can affect your, um, libido in a negative way. So, um, you have to kind of be careful with it. I love curcumin for inflammation and I haven't really noticed that it really affecting testosterone much in my patients. Um, you know, but when you're aware of that, if they start having problems and you start looking at a few things that you may want to, um, you know, try a different way, like anytime you add a, a medicine prescription or even a vitamin or a supplement and you, you get a weird symptom, it could, you know, it could cause it. So there's always risk benefits to any medicine or supplement that you do take. So um, always have that in the back of your mind. If you all of a sudden start feeling bad, if I started a new medicine or a new vitamin lately, that's not common with vitamins, but certainly could. So, you know, it'd be great to get before and afters on uh, curcumin and just see, you know, if it, it popped your T level up or, um, maybe even decreased it, you know, it, it also may decrease your testosterone level. Um, so it's really interesting. Super interesting question there around DHT and, uh, curcumin. I, I love that. I, I want to give a, a, a shout out here. 
Uh, we're going to get to this question here in a second, Onward Physical Therapy. But Onward Physical Therapy in Knoxville, uh, we're in Knoxville as well. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I've seen you over on Instagram. Uh, so thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Can't wait to get to your uh, question here in just a second. Awesome. We're going to get to live uh, Q&A here in just a second. So if you have questions for Dr. Rogers, go ahead and put them in the comments. Right now we're taking in questions that uh, came throughout the week. Uh, we love our PT people, man, don't we? I love we the do. PTs. We really do. Yeah, uh, I've got some great questions I'll ask you about um, deadlifts. Um, <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, onward, thanks for being here. Um, okay, we're going to keep moving. Um, this is a, let's see, a, a hair loss question as well. Uh, so it seems that the 2% ketoconazole shampoos are prescription only. I have found one option that is only 1% ketoconazole, but according to Huberman, it is key that it has to be 2%. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, he's done kind of a deep dive on hair loss for sure. Uh, you know, certainly you may have to use the 1% more often, but I think you could do that as well. But, um, you know, it's no problem getting a prescription for it. Uh, that's, that's uh, certain. So if you believe what Huberman says and he does, he does a pretty deep dive on things then it shouldn't be a problem getting the prescription, now, again, insurance may not cover it, but who cares? You know, you can get it compounded or put together um, and it shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't be that expensive. But uh, that's a great point, though. You're right. I mean, you can get the one percent over the counter, two percent prescription. Um, you know, I haven't found it to raise liver function tests or you know, I haven't found it to be a, a real concern using the, the prescription. Mm ketoconazole. Remember, you only need to do it a couple of times a week um, really to have that effect on your hair. But I, I do think an antifungal uh, shampoo really helps, uh, you know, clear out your follicles. And really, I think it does help hair loss. Super um, interesting. Uh, thank and you. Remember, so uh, ketoconazole, it's better than going to be better than selenium sulfide, but that has a good effect as well. Head and shoulders, you get selenium sulfide. Uh, but so, and that's in reference to the dandruff sh shampoo that you mentioned last week, you using yeah. that for, for, uh, hair thinning. Yeah. Right. Super interesting. Uh, thank you so much for that question. Uh, came in over email. Uh, what's going on guys. Great to see everybody on, uh, on Instagram. I see you, Tina. See you, Whitney. Um, okay. Let's keep moving. Um, so this is, uh, Okay. Uh, what about Latisse topically for hair thinning? How would I get that in a form other than the small vial for eyelashes? Uh, everyone knows, of course, uh, or I at least associate Latisse with eyelashes. Uh, what do you think about this with hair thinning? I don't think it's that great for thinning hair. Um, it's pretty expensive. But I have seen some compounders included in their hair growth formulas. I have seen them add that to it in the hopes that maybe it will help a little bit. Usually they just dump everything they can in there and see if it works. But I really think uh, the oral things work better, like um, minoxidil. I'll put a lady on that. Uh, last patient I saw today, I put her on um, oral minoxidil, which is Rogaine, but orally works better than topically. Mm. It's just messy and hard to put stuff on your scalp every day. Nobody really likes to do that. So for men and certainly for women that are not, childbearing concerns, I, I like to use finasteride uh, as well. 
um, as well as the vitamins and the, the ketoconazole shampoos. And there's a lot of stuff you can do for, for thinning hair. Just, you know, don't wait till it's too late. And certainly check out your, you know, your hormones and thyroid and vitamin levels and, and, and things like that too, to make sure there's not a, a, a systemic reason for it like that. Um, but, uh, good question. Good question. Some people do include it in their topicals. Uh, let's get to the next one here. Does NAC increase homocysteine levels? Uh, NAC, of course, it uh, can. we've talked a lot yeah, about. It can. It can. In acetylcysteine, it can increase homocysteine levels. I haven't seen it do that. And again, I don't specifically check it after I put somebody on NAC. But, um, you know, it, you'd have to take a pretty high dose of NAC. And if you did that, you know, it could cause some other problems like nausea and rashes and uh, may worsen asthma. Um, but in the, in the moderate doses, you know, it's great. It really is known for increasing glutathione levels, mm. but um, in higher doses, I mean, some of these people put a lot of it in IV bags too. And uh, so uh, you know, if you have the MTHFR genotype and and already have high homocysteine levels, it's something you could certainly keep an eye on. I really like NAC. You know, it's a great detoxifier. I like that along with milk thistle is a good combination. Um, but it can. It can uh, increase homocysteine level, but usually at pretty high doses. Um, All right. Great question there on NAC. Uh we got one more question here, guys, and we're going to get to the uh, questions and live comments. So if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, go ahead and put it in the comments. Uh, last question is around Cognitex. Uh, do you take Cognitex Basic, Cognitex Elite, or Cognitex Elite Pregnenolone? I see the Basic has sapphire oil in it, which I know is not good. Which Cognitex are you yeah, using? Yeah, I don't use the Basic. I use the Elite Pregnenolone. That's the one I use. It. Pregnenolone is a good mother hormone, so I figure it can get that cascade going with testosterone and the such. But I agree. Don't use safflower oil or any seed oils. Um, don't like them. All right, guys. That's going to do it for the questions that came in throughout the week. Thank you uh, uh, in advance to everyone who uh, sends in their questions via email or on our social channels. There we go. There's a picture of That's the nice. Cognitex Elite with pregnenolone. Um, we're going to go over to the comments and uh, see if anyone's with us on Instagram. You can put your question in there. We're live on YouTube with Dr. Rogers answering uh, health and wellness questions. Um, all right, let's keep going here. Um, where am I at? Uh, let's go to Chuck. Uh, Chuck's question is, what are your thoughts on apple cider vinegar and how would you incorporate it into intermittent fasting? Good question. I love apple cider vinegar for a lot of reasons. That's why I'm drinking right here tonight. Nope, not really. But um, I do like it. I really have to dilute it down because it burns my throat if you take it, <laughs> if you take it straight. <clears throat> but I dilute it, and I really like it for GERD. I like it for joints. Um, you know, um, as far as incorporating it to, into intermittent fasting, it's a good combination. I mean, I love intermittent fasting uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, weight loss, longevity, uh, clearing out of senescent cells, um, 
possibly lengthening telomeres. Um, so I would definitely recommend it. Now, if you're asking me if it would break a fast and break ketosis, um, I don't know. I've never really experimented with it or not. Um, you know, I have a, a uh, ketosis meter that I, you could fool around with and see, you know, if you still like the purpose of intermittent fasting in my mind is to put you into uh, a ketosis, but not, you don't have to do it the whole day. Just do it for 17 hours or 18 hours, 16 hours. Um, so they put your body in fat burning mode and um, also activate uh, or inactivate mTOR. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great thing. So when you, if you're asking me, when should you take it? Um, should you take it during the fast or not? I've never really played around with it like that. Uh, you could certainly try it and see what effect it had. Um, but I, I'll, the benefits of apple cider vinegar are pretty, they're a lot. It's good stuff. I think um, there was a, a common sense MD episode we did on uh, health hacks and uh, I believe the the thing you mentioned with apple cider vinegar was it was either taking that right before your dinner um, and then going for a, going for a walk for like 10 minutes afterwards. So, yeah. uh, Chuck, yeah. I think what the way Doc was talking about it was within was around like, you know, um, avoiding those sugar spikes. So uh, even if you're intermittent fasting, I would imagine you could intermittent fast, then take it you know before that biggest meal. And not, yeah. is that kind of what you would think? That's the way I like to do it. That's the way I like to do it. Take yeah. it before supper. Um, but you can certainly take it before lunch um, as well. But it's a great question. Timing of apple cider vinegar with intermittent fasting. Play around with that a little bit. I love that, Chuck. Thank you so much. Um, all right, let's get to Onward Physical Therapy Knoxville. Shout out to you guys. Um, for plant-based proteins looking, looking to supplement protein, do you have recommendations for them to maximize protein intake and how does the bioavailability of protein impact quantity recommendations? Yeah, it's, it's very tough for a vegan or a vegetarian to get enough protein. Although if you look at, matter of fact, I read an article last night on Medscape about this and they were arguing that, um, you know, it was the same. You could get enough protein by a vegetarian diet. And uh, this guy was from Stanford and, uh, you know, it's interesting when you read Medscape articles, uh, which kind of bend towards the left, um, the comments after some of these articles. And, and so he was kind of saying that it didn't make a lot of difference when everything I've always read said that that animal protein is much more absorbable. And in my experience, I've found that it's very hard for, you know, a, a vegan to get muscle. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, my recommendations are for building muscle. Um, but, um, so I, I like it now. There's a documentary that kind of is very skewed towards that, uh, his feelings. And this is a glazier. So I forget the, he's a PhD. Um, I don't know why I'm thinking the name glazier stands out to me. Cause I just read this last night, but, um, it's really interesting because, at the end of his soliloquy saying it didn't make a difference. Uh, one of the comments was uh, that they knew about this guy 
the PhD from Stanford, and he's himself been a vegetarian for 25 years. So, of course, he's going to espouse that. But he's also paid by uh, the uh, Beyond Meat Company. So uh, that's a good reason for him touting the benefits of a vegetarian diet. Um, you know, personally, I mean, some people like, you know, vegan, vegetarian diets. My brother, yeah, he likes it and he's running marathons, but and people are different, you know. Um, you know, there's no doubt, though, it's it's a lot harder to get good fats and good protein from a vegan-based diet. Um, so, I mean, you could be a vegan and drink Cokes all day if you wanted or, you know, eat bread and get fat. So I like animal proteins personally. Um, so uh, it's definitely harder, I think, to get enough through a vegan or vegetarian diet. But it's controversial and everybody's different. Probably the best plan is for a little bit of both. Um, so is, is perfect I hope that helps. Is Perfect Aminos plant-based? Um, perfect Aminos is really just amino acids. Okay. That's all it is. Uh, so it's not, it's not really, I don't think you would say it was plant-based. No. Okay. So that wouldn't you, if you're a vegan, you theoretically couldn't take perfect aminos or you could. Um, there may be a bovine source. That's a great question. I'm gonna have to, I'll have to figure that out. Hmm. Uh, all um, right. Onward. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for the question. Um, in the house is asking, um, do you guys do uh, coffee enemas? I, I believe is what. Uh, here we go. Coffee enemas, um, and I'm not sure. Some what people do. I don't do them, but uh, they're coffee extracts, and, and they uh, use them as enemas for a lot of different reasons. Um, I haven't really recommended them to a lot of people. Some cancer patients use them. Um, you know, it's a super antioxidants. Um, a lot of people will do, um, you know, a lot of oxygen therapies and some people think that's equivalent. Um, but, uh, uh, some people, some people do believe in them. I just haven't recommended them to a lot of people. Mm. All right. In the house, thank you for being here tonight. Um, Roel, I'm going to try to figure out a way to get, uh, the link to the podcast while we're on the, on the show, um, around peptides and hair. Um, I'm assuming that's a, with peptides, uh, for hair loss or something like that. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, copper. I think a lot of people use copper for that, but, um, let's, let's um, get to, uh, Jordan's question here. Um, A1C was 11.4 first time having it done, having it above normal. Okay. I've wow. lost 40 pounds and working on consistent gym activity. Keto has worked in the past, but it's not very effective. What do you suggest moving forward? Am I, am I reading that right? Doc, I think I'm reading that right. Sounds like, yeah, 11.4 11, 11 on A1C. Boy, that's an average sugar that's between three and 400. So that's definitely a severe diabetes range. Um, uh, you're prob that's type two probably. Um, I'd like to see what your A1C now is, which A1C is a, a three-month average sugar level. And so it'd be really interesting what it is now. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's very hard to stay in, in a keto diet. It just is. I'm not against it, but hardly anybody can do it because they, they just get too bored. There's too many carbs out there. So I suggest moving forward that um, 
you know, I don't know what medications you're on. If you're on medications to help lower that A1C, um, whether it's berberine as a supplement to metformin as a supplement, all the way to Ozempic Monjaro, uh, you know, so I would suggest that you take one of those. I don't know how overweight you are, but I'm a firm believer that a type two diabetes like yourself can cure it um, and get to normal. It may take a little assistance from medication, but certainly low carb. What you have to think about is low carb, maybe some intermittent fasting. Uh, you don't have to go keto, but, you know, look at um, uh, three rounds of antibiotics and steroids. Are you saying that that was what kicked up your A1C? Oh, before the, before to, the, before the A1C was taken. Okay. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Still, that's not normal, though. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just really off the wall. So, but it'd be interesting to see. So see what it is now and uh, doing it on your own, just with the weight loss and the ketosis, I guarantee it's way down. Um, but uh, you may need help to get it to, you know, under six is where you want to want to be. So uh, sounds like, you know what you're doing. But I agree. It's very hard to stay in ketosis. It does so maybe seem, it does seem Jordan, stop, stop taking metformin um, as well. Um, yeah, that, you may just get on berberine. I think berberine works about as well as metformin mm. without the side, the gastrointestinal side effects. And certainly we've used a lot of, uh, you know, the GLP agonists like Ozempic, Wegovi, and now we have the GIP added, which is uh, Mounjaro. So uh, there's a lot of cool stuff out there that, that you can do, but certainly the diet is the main driver that you want to be looking at jordan um that's uh, losing 40 pounds is incredible uh congratulations and uh and keep coming back we'll keep talking about this and uh and and help you in any way we can um that's awesome that is awesome congratulations uh he's asking what berberine and what else um anything else you're thinking berberine low carb is kind of where you're thinking berberine low carb intermittent fasting you're already exercising so you're doing all those things that um, really help. Um, so congratulations. You're on your way. You're going to do it. All right. Great job, Jordan. Thank you so much for the question. Um, all right, let's keep moving here. I see, uh, M Sculpt Natural's going on. Great to see you guys on uh, Instagram. Come join us live on YouTube right now. Um, let's keep moving. Um, where am I at? I want to get to, to Donna's question. Uh, Carter, I see you. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for being here as always. Um, so Donna is going to ask this question around HCG. Uh, what are your thoughts on HCG? I've done it once with success, once without seeing. Um, have you seen any gallstones using it? I need to lose 30 pounds and can't tolerate semaglutide. Um, they'll put this up from Donna as well. Uh, slowly gain back the 20 pounds. Okay, so they've had yeah. some success with HCG. And I believe uh, there's a question too around where to get because you talk a lot about getting real HCG versus um, not so good. Yeah, HCG. you need a reputable place. Certainly don't order it online from somebody that's not a certified pharmacist. So, you know, we order ours from different pharmacies like Wells and Create, some some of the ones that um, are really reputable. Um, but uh, I like HCG. Again, it's the fastest way to lose weight that I've ever seen, including semiglutide. 
Um, it's very strict, as you know, if you've been on the HCG dot. Yeah, we use HCG for a lot of things, fertility, uh, maintenance for guys on testosterone, for fertility purposes, um, and other ways not to shut down your pituitary gonadal axis. But as far as weight loss, I do like it. We've done many thousands of people on it. It's fast. It selects out abnormal fat, which is why I like it so much. And again, it's very fast. You know, I like fast weight loss. It's more, you're more likely to keep it off if you do it fast than slow, believe it or not. Um, it does seem to work better the very first time you do it. Um, but if you give it breaks uh, of several months um, and you do it strictly, it should work the second time. Um, now, here's the thing about ACG as well. Um, if you don't change something, if you don't find out why you're 30 pounds overweight and change something afterwards, it's not a panacea. So you got to figure those things metabolically and hormonally out first and then tailor the after treatment accordingly. And again, the, the phase where you, the second phase, the transition period after the 26 or 40 day uh, diet, you can do either one, the original is 40 day, uh, that 20 days afterwards of, of no sugars and no starches are very important. Um, but so see where you are, see where your hormones and your uh, metabolism is you know, before you do it. And then you got to have a strategy. Like a lot of times I'll, I'll put people on afterwards. I'll put them on metformin, berberine. If you can't tolerate semiglutide, you may even try Mount Jaro. Um, it seems to be better tolerated than semiglutide. And I think, uh, provides a little bit more weight loss too. So, um, and so keep hope. And again, if you want to do it again, just you'll do it. Some people don't lose quite as much the second or third times because they don't need to lose as much. Mm. Um, but uh, it's always impressive that first time you do it. Um, and people love it. So it seems to tighten things up too. Uh, you know, some people have complained of muscle loss after Ozempic, um, Ozempic butt, Ozempic finger, Ozempic face. You know, but uh, you may lose a certain amount of muscle with Ozempic. But again, if your hormones are okay, if you're working out, I don't worry about that too much, uh, especially if you need to lose a lot of fat mass. Um, but great question. Uh, Donna, thank you for uh, being with us tonight. Great question there. Uh, it sounds like you're, you're going to do great, uh, whether you get back on HCG or, or go over to something like uh, Manjaro that Doc was talking about. Uh, I'm going to get to Lisa here. Uh, I'm going to read this out loud, out loud Lisa, and then we'll uh, kind of we'll take this down so we can uh, answer this for you. Uh, Dr. Rajak, I was called today from my doctor saying my potassium is low. He prescribed potassium twice per day with repeat labs. Later, I received a cortisone shot a while prior to my labs. Would that affect my potassium? Um, since I've lost 67 pounds, now would I be considered to be in ketosis? I do have stage three CKD, uh, and I'm not sure what that's, you would. I fast 23 hours. I do have some of the symptoms, but uh, of low potassium. What causes low potassium, and what are some natural ways I can bring up potassium? Uh, and I hope I, I hope I read that right, Lisa. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure Doc kind of. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, 
stage three CKD is chronic kidney disease. Um, so through the years, apparently for some reason, diabetes, hypertension, you can uh, lose some of your renal function. Um, you know, certainly if your potassium is low, that's cause you need to treat that. Um, you know, the, the cortisone shot usually doesn't affect that, but it can affect aldosterone, which could indirectly affect your potassium. Usually when I see low potassium, it's because you're on a diuretic. Um, and I'm glad you lost 67 pounds. That's awesome. Um, I don't know if you're in ketosis or not. You know, if you're on less than 20 grams of carbs, you probably are. You can test it easily with a finger stick. You could even check a urine and see if you're in ketosis. Um, but you fast for 23 hours. That's a long period of fast. So you're saying you probably eat one meal a day within an hour window. I don't know how reasonable that is long term. Um, I'd really rather you bring that down to, you know, more like an 18-6 pattern. Uh, from my aspect, I think it's more doable. Um, so look at the other medications you're on. Um, you know, I'd like to see what your sodium is doing as well. Uh, some people drink so much water, they can lower those. Um, and to bring the potassium up, besides taking potassium pills, you know, you could uh, just eat uh, potassium-containing foods. I don't recommend banana. That's sure throw you out of ketosis. Yeah. But... Um, Think spinach and uh, green vegetables are a great way to do that, um, and even you know beef liver. Um, that's a beef liver is probably the most greatest nutrient out there. Um, so some people don't like eating it raw. Um, I just got some ancestral beef liver capsules in my office today that uh, I want to be using because uh, I love beef liver capsules. Um, it's more it's just easier for me to take those than it yeah. is uh, to take the grass-fed beef liver every day and try to swallow it down. I know Katie likes it and Carter probably too. Um, so it's a great idea. But um, uh, And I, I am seeing that Lisa does not take uh, diuretics. Um, so yeah. if that helps with any of the context there. Yeah, look not at your other medications too. It could be a medication. could be a sodium uh, water retention balance. Uh, so I, I suppose the cortisol could have kicked off a little cycle, but try to find out why, um, you know, I just even wonder if you're not taking in enough potassium in relation to how much water you're drinking because you're doing that, uh, you know, fasting for 23 hours that, that could have thrown that off. That could have caused it in itself. Mm. So, um, all right. Thank you so much, Lisa, for that question. Um, all right, let's see where we're at. Uh, I think I'm missing one. Um, sorry, guys, I lost my lost my place here. Okay, this is w, uh, WC1A. Uh, should you work out with a slight shoulder pain, especially if you can avoid pain by avoiding certain exercise? I know this this is something that kind of hits home for you. Uh, I think you were telling me this weekend that. Uh, you weren't, you didn't do push-ups for a while because you couldn't, your shoulder was hurting. Uh, like kind of similar to WC1A. Like two years. Yeah. You know, I, I love to work out. I'm a workout nut. I certainly do a lot of push-ups, pull-ups and things. But yeah, I got really more of an impingement syndrome. Um, and I, I was at the point where I could not do one push-up without it like 
stabbing, stabbing pain in my shoulder. And I was getting a restricted range of motion. You know, a lot of times the old Tommy way of getting, you know, clearing up a shoulder pain is to take you to the OR, put you asleep, and then just, you know, tear the heck out of it and manipulate it. Uh, they still do that occasionally, not as often. But uh, <clears throat> one day, I'll tell you what I did <clears throat> is uh, not like onward PT's opinion on this, but um, I just said, screw it. And I started doing push-ups <laughs> and uh, it, it cured me, you know, just, just doing it. Uh, and very shortly afterwards, I didn't have much pain. And um, certainly Ernie Dixon, our physical therapist that works our office, uh, he, he, he put me through some painful range of motion type things. And I think that helped too. And I started hanging from, you know, just doing dead hangs from my chin up bar. I did the Cogman's exercises where I uh, got a 25 pound bar, you know, dumbbell and did circular motions with it. So it eventually got better. Uh, I really thought my rotator cuff was 20. My MRI said it wasn't or, or labor test. So it wasn't. So, um, so I think if you, if you start avoiding certain things, then uh, you're going to get a restriction. You're going to get an imbalance and it's bad. Um, you know, so I've started, my new mantra is avoid thinking about the pain, you know, and, uh, just like my back, it's like Dr. <laughs> Osborne told me, forget about it. You don't have back pain. <laughs> uh, you guys do your, do your, do your deadlifts, which, which I like to get their opinion to them. Is the deadlift the most important exercise you can do? Uh, I think it is. And certainly Dr. Osborne who you'll be hearing a lot from in some of my podcasts with him. He's a neurosurgeon down at West Palm beach. Uh, he talks about it, but, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. So yeah, try not to avoid the pain, embrace the pain, face the pain, but find out from a good physical therapist, what could be going on? Because I mean, if you have a really major shoulder injury, then you can do it and again. I was kind of reassured because I'd gotten an MRI of my shoulder. Um, so for what it's worth, get some exercise bands and start uh, strengthening, strengthening up your uh, rotator cuff muscles and uh, bands. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. I use a lot of band work. If you looked at my workout room here, it's full of bands. But bands aren't a substitute for free weights. I will say that. Um, I don't think. Um, you for guys building, muscle, building real muscle. You guys are in for a treat. Uh, we, we, we do have – we had a um, – a really great podcast uh, on the Common Sense MD with with uh, Dr. Brett Osborne uh, be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, man, uh, tons of gems uh, in that episode. Uh, I watched uh, the recording, so uh, look forward to that, guys. That should be out in the next couple of weeks. Go get his book. He yeah. wrote a book, and it's fantastic. Um, all right, where are we at? We're going to get to, uh, I think we're at D. Lynn's question. Um, over on YouTube, uh, I'm pre-diabetic, overweight. I have berberine, still not sure when to take it with food or without. I also have saffron. When do I take it for weight loss? Can you take both at the same time? Seems as a berberine saffron question. Sure. Yeah, you definitely can. You definitely take it both at the same time. Um, if you're overweight and pre-diabetic, I would take one berberine in the morning, one at night, probably take it with food. Okay. Um, if you're doing intermittent fasting, then you can still take it. I just don't see much stomach upset with it. Uh, I like berberine. 
Um, matter of fact, I have a new formulation that's going to come in that uh, I think is going to be better than the average berberine. Hmm. Um, and but I'm uh, going to stay put, tuned for that. One. I'm going to put this in because I do think it's, it, it was D. Lynn who had the question around the uh, fermented honey. Um, oh it, yeah, I finally found out about that. Okay. Um, cause I just thought of it and I talked to my brother, who's a beekeeper and I asked him, um, is it, is it possible to ferment honey? Because honey is the only natural substance that I know that doesn't ferment mint. It doesn't go bad. Um, it can, you, you can eat honey for the last over a hundred years. It does not go bad. Unlike every other food. So how can you ferment, how can you have fermented honey? So he knew the answer right away. He says, the way he explained it to me, when the bee goes to the, to the flower, they get something out of the flower called nectar. Nectar is a liquid. They bring it back to the hive in the form of nectar. Mm. And the, the, uh, the bees in the hive fan it. They fan the nectar to dehydrate it, it turns into honey. So honey is it's a dehydrated nectar. But it turns out that you can ferment the nectar, and that's what you're talking about when you talk about fermented honey. Um, people, some people really like it. What it is, you can ferment the nectar. When you talk about ferment, it's turning sugar into alcohol. So it's an alcoholic drink. Some people like it as an alcoholic drink. They think it's healthier and they, they can add garlic to it to make it tastier. Somehow, I don't know how it makes it tastier, but somehow it does. So some people drink it kind of like as a beer. As a matter of fact, he said the Vikings loved it, but the product's called Mead, M-E-A-D. So really? I learned a lot about that just by your question. Yeah. So look up Mead and, and that's fermented honey. And uh, so it's a really interesting subject. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, D. Lynn is saying it's fermented together garlic in the honey. That's really yeah, interesting. Apparently it makes it taste better. Um, and the product's called really, mead. I like to taste some. I think I'm going to try to get some just to taste it. Yeah, it's called mead. M E A D. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. D. Lynn, thank you for uh, for teeing us up with that conversation. I think that's super fun. Uh, we'll have to, we'll have to get, uh, uh, we'll have to drink mead on the I show. I think Mike, Mike actually makes some of it, Ben. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's, he's got a bunch of hives. Yeah. That's cool. He does. Um, all right. Let's see. Uh, he always wants to feel like a Viking. He's always having the statement, make daddy feel like a Viking. <laughs> I don't know what that means. He says it to his wife. I think make daddy feel like a Viking. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, man, that's, 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 that's actually Ernie's line. Ernie loves that line. <laughs> he used to use that on the girls back when we were in college and, you know, he'd go to the beach and he'd say, make daddy feel like a Viking. Um, didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> no, it usually didn't work for him. It's not a good line. It's not a good line. <laughs> Guys, don't, don't try that one. They wouldn't even laugh. Like you don't <laughs> laugh at my jokes. They wouldn't laugh at that. So. <laughs> All right, let's get to one step forward. question here. Uh, other than the Cleveland blood panel, is there any other test you would recommend to get yearly? Awesome show. Thank you. Thank you. One step forward. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, I recommend a urinalysis. Matter of fact, I'm going to do a podcast on why you should check a urinalysis once a year. There's a lot of information you get from a 
or urinalysis. Um, you know, I try to tailor the Cleveland Bud Panel so that, you know, it has most of the stuff that I need. But it just a lot of it depends on where you're at. You know, do you need food allergy? Do you need uh, stool testing? Um, and there's other there's other things that depending on the, the clinical situation that I'll do, like one of the last patients I saw today, I did a uh, neurotransmitter uh, saliva test. Um, it tends towards depression, and I'm going to find out where his the neurotransmitters are, the serotonin, the norepinephrine, the dopamine, um, and analyze that. We do a lot of uh, cort uh, salivary cortisol curves. Um, sometimes we check hormone levels by salivary test. Um, sometimes we run Dutch test, which is a, a urine uh, metabolite test for hormones. Um, to get, but yearly, uh, you know, that that's a really good question. I, I try to make it so that Cleveland checks most of the stuff that I really like to, to get, but there's always some other esoteric things that I'll order if depending on the clinical uh, situation. Uh, but great question. What are you know. checking on yourself every year? Do you do a CT calcium every year? No, no. Okay. You only need one of those every 10 years. Okay. So um, every 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, at, at age 50, you need to start doing th some things. Probably 45, you should get both the CT calcium if you're a man. And for both men and women, start looking at your colon. Um, but, and of course, as in addition to all the other things that you're getting, like pap smear, PSAs, mammograms, or thermograms. Uh, and uh, so... Yeah, there's a lot of little things, plus skin checks, physical exam. Uh, look at that. But always listen to your body. It's a great question there, one step forward. We're going to uh, – we do need to put out an article and a uh, common sense on that. that that'll be really uh, helpful to a, to a bunch of people, I would imagine. Um, I'm going to get this from Kathy on Facebook. Um, is it, I'm, I'm assuming it's safe here, uh, Kathy, is it safe to take antidepressants and anxiety meds with naltrexone and is 50 milligrams of naltrexone stay safe? A little context here. A friend was, prescri was prescribed this and I worry, uh, it's too much. Um, uh, obviously the, so the 50 milligrams of naltrexone takes it out of the LDN range. Uh, what's your, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah. They, the only reason to prescribe that much naltrexone is that they have an alcohol or drug addiction problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, you could use it with antidepressants and most anxiety medicines. They may need it again. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of, they're finding out that a lot of the antidepressants just don't work, you know, um, and a head-to-head -head saffron worked way better than Prozac did. It's certainly a lot safer. And you don't get so um, kind of with a feeling that you don't care about anything. I had a patient today. I was, he had a long history of depression. And he was talking about his use of antidepressants. They just made him feel so apathetic um, that he just didn't joy taking them so and they can have other side effects like sexual side effects weight gain uh, dry mouth uh, you know they're really not the panacea that um, they're made out to be um, 
But so think about doing the other things like exercise. Exercise is the best anxiety medicine and probably antidepressant there is. Um, so, um, you know, you, it may be safe, but um, again, you look at the underlying problems. You know, it sounds like it may be an alcohol or drug problem mm. if they're on that much naltrexone. Uh, Kathy, thank you for putting that in there for your friend and, uh, and to everyone who, who joins us live every Tuesday, you know, that is a great way to, to kind of use this time to, to look out for loved ones. And, uh, we'll certainly be thinking about your friend, Kathy, and, and hope that they, uh, start to feel better. Um, thank you for that question. And I'm going to put this up. Um, oh, and Kathy's saying, is it safe to take saffron with the naltrexone? Uh, yeah, I don't see any reasons not to, um, yeah, I don't really, you just can't take narcotics with it. Um, narcotics with, uh, yeah. the naltrexone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All um, right. Yeah. You have to, there, there is something called serotonin syndrome that you need to get your friend to look up uh, because certain combinations, uh, could cause a potential problem with that. So, be very cautious. Okay. Um, all right. Let's get. Um, I'm going to put this up from uh, from Mark, and then I'm going to get to uh, Mark's question here. Mark is saying, a "Wonderful visit with Dr. Rogers and the amazing Kingsport staff. Uh, thank you much to the PM Kingsport team. Shout out to Performance Medicine of Kingsport. Uh, thank you, Mark. 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 I ate your um, sourdough bread uh, today at lunch uh, with some meat on it. It was very good. Awesome. Thank you so much. And it's always wonderful to see such a smart guy like Mark. I'm looking at T2, Mark. I looked at some of the stuff you sent me today. And well, I, we've, Mark, got a, we've, got we've got a question. We've got a question about know. T2. Oh, yeah. There we yeah. go. There we go. Uh, that, that was perfect. Uh, you teed us up there. Um, uh, Mark's question is, over-the-counter T2 supplement is shown to increase fat metabolism, lower cholesterol, help stabilize blood sugar, and maintain muscle mass. Could this be a semaglutide weight loss alternative? Uh, this is cool. Possibly. Possibly. When you sent me that stuff today, Mark, um, that's the first time I'd heard about it. Parents an over-the-counter supplement. I don't know. I don't uh, know it could be as potent as semaglutide, um, but certainly I don't think it's going to make you nauseated. But um, uh, really interesting. Don't know much about it yet. But, of course, you always kind of stimulate me to look things up and, uh, sometimes try them and, uh, thank you for all that research that you do. It's uh, amazing some of the stuff you, you find out. Oh man. Uh, Mark, thank you so much. And I look forward, I'm going to talk to you, uh, here shortly. We got a, we had a great, uh, conversation last week and I want to, uh, dig Mark, a I told bit. Ben to call you and okay. I, I did tell him and he followed up. <laughs> And I think Mark's going to be in Knoxville soon. Uh, Knoxville's my neck of the woods, so we're going to get to uh, hang out, uh, hopefully in person, Mark, uh, here oh, shortly. Um, real quick, and, and, and we're, uh, uh, Kathy's asking how much saffron. Is there a saffron uh, milligram you recommend? I think it's 88. If I'm not saying anything, it's 88 milligrams. I think it is 88 milligrams. Yeah. Um, as we, we got a few more minutes, guys. Um, if you have any... Um, Topic suge suggestions for us, uh, either with explain this, dive into diet, or uh, the common sense MD. Put in the comments. Uh, let us know what you want to hear more about from us on any of our shows. 
we have, we're going to talk uh, next couple weeks will be on, uh, gosh, that conversation with Dr. Osborne was all encompassing. It was basically about healthy aging and longevity uh, as a whole, but talked a lot about muscle gaining and uh, the importance of muscle. Um, and then uh, I believe we have a couple explain this episodes coming up around uh, intermittent fasting, which will be super fun. Uh, so if you guys have any suggestions, let us know. Let us know what you want to hear more about. Uh, that's what I love about Mark's questions um, is that it does kind of uh, uh, cue us in on what we need to uh, do a deep dive on and, and put some uh, content out around. Um, Roel's given us a 10. Uh, thank you. We're, we're about to, to close out the show, guys. Uh, how do you think we did? It was a Monday night. Like, I feel like. I think it was a good Monday night for a Monday, you know. Mondays are tough sometimes, but um, it was a good show. You I know, really I, appreciate everybody tuning in because I really want to see that premiere. I've never seen a world premiere of a movie before. So Yes, yes. And, uh, Thank you guys so much for uh, for showing up on, on Monday for us and, and letting us uh, do this show on Monday. Like, like we said earlier, we'll be back on Tuesday uh, next week. Um, and, but we appreciate you guys, uh, being flexible with us, uh, this week. I see Roel, uh, is saying, uh, chia seeds. So we'll have to do a, a deeper dive yeah. on chia seeds. Thank you for that. I like chia uh, seeds. I like, I like hemp a little better, but, uh, yeah, chia seeds are good though. What were those hemp hearts? Hemp hearts. Yeah. That was, I always keep hemp hearts. I love hemp hearts. What episode? Was that a protein episode or was that a fiber episode? I think I was I'm a not sure. It might have been fiber episode. Yeah. Uh, Carter, back. thank you. Uh, that was so sweet. Carter saying we did great, uh, even for Monday. We, you, you know, Mondays are wild. Uh, we did great for Monday. Carter, thank you so much for uh, keeping Doc in thank check. Thank you for in the Kingsport. Thank office. you for really doing the great job as oh, always, Carter. And th yeah, there's Doctor Osborne. Look at this. There we go. You Thank know, you, team. We, we're built a lot alike, me and Dr. Osborne, <laughs> especially around the ab area. Contrary to popular opinion, that's not dad to the left. Um, yeah. That that would be Dr. Osborne. <laughs> yeah. I you love know, it. My goal at 70 is to look, have abs like that when I reach 70, which is just a year and a half away. I, you know what? We're going to have to, we're going to have to get in the gym, Doc. We're going to have to, we're going to have to get in the gym. I know. That's some serious. Um, he's an amazing guy and, uh, I, I can't wait to, you can see those podcasts I did with him. Actually, I'm going to go, I think he's going to come up here and I'm going to go down to West Palm. Yep. Yep. Um, I, uh, I got to be a fly on like, the wall for that. Like, that was, uh, such a, uh, such a fun, uh, conversation. Um, hey man, right. he's going to solo this Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.